Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. It's midnight. All is dark and quiet. You're asleep in your bed on a cold autumn night. The window is ajar and a crisp breeze creeps in, causing you to shiver. The cold air against your skin slowly pulls you from the depths of a fitful dream. In the fog of partial consciousness, you feel a prickling against your skin. The sensation builds, crawling against your goosebumped raised flesh. Groggily, you reach for something, and you come back with a skittering against your hand. It starts you awake, and you look across the room and you see nothing there. Slowly you fall back to your pillowcase, reassuring yourself it was just the dream. And yet as you sleep, the webs are slowly growing across your skin. Welcome, everybody. Hey. Whoa. Oh, man. <laughs> that was different and exciting <laughs> and terrifying and spooky. Very spooky. Uh, wow. I, I had not heard that before we started recording. I no. had no idea you were going to be pulling something like that out I here, hope so. I had your rapt attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your spider rapt attention. I love... Oh, man. Spoilers here. I, I love when we get to do holiday episodes and we get to do goofy stuff like that. I think those are... We haven't done one of those, I don't think, since like our Christmas episode or something. No, we did a we did a different intro for our uh cowboy themed world that we did so. where we yeah. talked about the yeah yeah the alternate american history situation yeah yeah that was oh, that was lovely i oh, loved that thank yeah. you <laughs> um i am uh that was my attempt to recreate one of my frequently uh, experienced horrifying uh times of sensation of waking up and feeling like something is crawling across my flesh yeah specifically a spider yeah there terrible. are a few things that creep me out more than the idea of spiders in my bed so we're going to elaborate <laughs> on that today. <laughs> yes. Why would we be talking about spiders so much? Perhaps it's because we have a spider adjacent. No, not even spider adjacent. Spice, spider focused. Spider yeah. centric <laughs> topic here this week. Yeah, we were trying to come up with a way that we could sort of measure up to the fun month of Halloween spooky, scary episodes that we did last year. And we thought, how fun would it be to do four episodes where each week we focus on a different phobia and try to build an adventure around that phobia? So yes. we want to calling it Fright Forge. Yes, World World Forge's Fright Forge. Uh, <laughs> we are really excited about this. And this week we will be starting with arachnophobia uh one that i can relate to <laughs> yeah very we, well. <laughs> we thought that would be for exactly that reason a good place to start because i think a lot of people can kind of relate to that um we actually i put out a, a quick just uh sort of survey on twitter the other day and we actually i was surprised at how mixed of results we got it was pretty evenly split that people were like oh no spiders are cute i love spiders or oh i only love small spiders or oh i only love big spiders or 
I hate all spiders. You know, it, there was a, a big spread of answers. I thought it would be mostly people saying they don't like them. But uh, well, I, we're friends I with a cool. lot of cool bug lovers. Yeah, so we are. I'm I not too surprised by that. <laughs> so we are very excited here this week to be talking about, yeah, some really fun, you know, every, everybody knows about arachnophobia. So mm-hmm. we're, we're excited to talk about some fun spider related adventures and kind of in a similar tone as the introductory adventure episode we did a few weeks ago. Uh, we're going to be trying to build up at least the foundation of a full, you know, maybe not necessarily introductory adventure, but some kind of adventure that your party can go on. And uh, I, I think that'll be fun. So we'll have some characters, we'll have some places, we'll have some conflicts and try to sort of fill in the gaps that connect all of those things. And hopefully this could be the seed of a really fun, you know, maybe a Halloween one shot for you and your group or, you know, just slot that in the middle of whatever campaign you're playing right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one way that might be nice to start is just for me to try and articulate what it is about spiders <laughs> that scares me so much. Yeah, that's um, a good idea. Because I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, people having different reactions based on the size of the spider. Yes. Because uh, I'm also the same way. I have uh, shocked my mom many times by telling her that actually uh, tarantulas don't really scare me. Yeah. I like a tarantula. I like it. <laughs> I like a tarantula too. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, it's it's large and fuzzy. And it, I yeah. usually see them walking rather slowly. So to me, I'm like, well, that, yes, I know it's a spider, but my mind associates that more with like a, a small mammal kind of a thing. Yeah. Like it doesn't have the same visual, like, and the the movements that i see in little spiders that creep me out well and i I feel like you can know what a big spider's all about you know you you can see them and you can track what they're doing they're not suddenly like oh i i blinked and you're gone because you're so small i have no idea what's up well exactly um even though i have been told that tarantulas can run which would be probably very (laughs) scary to see um i have only seen them being slow and and chill so i'm like these guys are fine On the other hand, I've many times seen little brown house spiders scurry like the dickens from one end of the room to the other, (laughs) and that is what gets me. Yeah, absolutely. I can't do little spiders. I'm terrified of daddy long legs. Oh yeah. Well, they're technically not spiders. I know they're so not spiders, but go. I'm going to gr- I'm going to group them into this category yeah. here because this is how well, <laughs> this is what my brain associates. Okay, when I see a daddy long legs, I think spider and it freaks out. I'm and... not trying to stereotype spiders on this podcast here, Piper. Spiders or non-spiders. <laughs> hey, that's fine. No, but essentially the the core of it is I don't like how they move. I don't like that their legs look like it's just hair attached to a little dot that can go wherever it wants. That is unpleasant. I Exactly. They are often very fast and scurry and there's never like a straight line. It's always like like going all over the place. (laughs) And so it's the unpredictability of this creepy crawly fast little thing. Yeah. And my (laughs) my illogical fear because like what's it going to do? I'm not afraid of getting bitten by a spider. Like who cares if I get bit by a spider? By any spider that you are i would encounter here in the midwest right I suppose, at the exactly least, yeah. the spiders here they don't like scare me that way yeah. my illogical fear is oh that thing wants to get underneath my skin that's yeah. what it wants to do it wants yeah. to get under my flesh where i can't get it out of me <laughs> and maybe that was influenced by the mummy when i was a kid but that yeah, is with my the, fear with the scarabs that go under your skin or whatever yeah exactly I so can totally i that. can't deal with spiders and normally when we find yeah. them in our house i will say sam you have to get the spider and if you don't come and get it i'm like okay i'm getting the death stick and i'm gonna go murder it well and <laughs> What's, I can't deal with it in my house. What's fun for me is even that even me grabbing a spider to remove it from the house is a terrifying experience for you. Like I I'll just you. well, yeah. I mean, and you probably shouldn't. You drop honestly. them so often. I don't. I, 
don't drop them that often. You always think I'm going to drop them, but I you never do. You have dropped them many times. I'll be like, Sam, get that spider. And you do this thing where you'll hold it out with an open palm and let it run all over your arm. And you'll be like, hey, little guy. Yeah. And then it will fall off and then it's gone. And it's like, Sam, now no. it's in our bed probably. You are incorrect. You are mischaracterizing the way that I handle spiders. Uh, but You definitely let them run all over you <laughs> and then don't care when they fall off into the carpet. I just don't want our listeners to think that I, I don't have a firm grip on the spider situation in our house because that would be tremendously <laughs> embarrassing for me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love to pick up a spider with my hands. I think they're cute. I think they're fun. I'm not really too bothered by them personally. So I think this might be kind of a fun dynamic for this episode that, you know, while you're over there shuddering in fear <laughs> at, at the very thought of a spider, I can maybe bring a little bit of the you know, a little bit of levity to the situation. Maybe, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got some... I, I'm scared of spiders in real life, but I am so ready to channel all of my fear into some wonderfully horrible yes, ideas. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, why don't we go ahead and just start out with that? I mean, we we have... I, I think our inspirations for these episodes might be a little bit different because we are going to be creating full-on adventures. Mm-hmm. However, spiders are an easy thing to talk about. There's a lot of cool spiders out there in, in the world. Uh, why don't you go ahead and drop some, some spider knowledge on us here, Quick Piper. I will. So the first spider that I'm going to draw inspiration from is Aragog from Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and Aragog himself, he doesn't really scare me. Like, he's really big and I love yeah. his voice. Um, it's more the lead up to Aragog that where every time we see, you know, the creepy little trail of like tiny spiders and they're yeah. all running in a line going somewhere. That's very spooky and mysterious to yeah. me. And I love the organization of that chaos that I would normally see yeah. in spiders. And so that that is very creepy and that's what i like most from this um but i yeah i like that they can go like first of all hagrid gives them very bad advice oh by well being like, hagrid is like the worst teacher of oh, all yeah. time if you were ever for a teacher who supposedly is the expert on how to deal with you know dangerous animals uh, he's the last person whose advice you want to take when dealing with dangerous animals, right? Right. Kids are yeah. always getting hurt in his care when he like, has them interact <laughs> with beasts. Because yeah. he just assumes that animals will react to everyone like the way they react to him. So he's like, it's fine. Well, and he was literally expelled from Hogwarts for bringing a giant spider, a giant child eating spider onto the grounds. And yet mm-hmm. somehow, you know, 30 years later, they're like, ah, he's probably learned his lesson. We it's should give him a job fine. protecting children from giant child-eating spiders. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no, his whole thing about uh, follow the spiders and then they go into the, the <laughs> like, forbidden forest and they find the big, like, spider nest and everything. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I, there, I like their whole, like, conversation with Aragog. I think it's very spooky, like, his big voice and yeah. that it was this big animatronic, too, that they built. Yeah. That's really cool. I also think the best part, though, of that is, like, the line that he gives at the end, and I don't remember it specifically, but he has something about, I will not hurt you or whatever but my children need to feed and all the bigger spiders come down from like the the canopy of the forest and they chase them and everything so that uh that energy even though they are large is captured well in the kind of like jittery spastic movements of spiders that creeps me out yeah and and they're really wonderful like 2001 cg yeah uh, (laughs) i haven't seen that movie in a long time but it, it gave me the creeps when i was little 
Yeah, they're spooky. They, I mean, who want, even as somebody who likes spiders, I don't necessarily want to be in a forest surrounded by, you know, talking to a great god of spiders, essentially surrounded by all of his children that you just, that's, that's too many spiders to keep track of, <laughs> too you know? Too many spiders. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> I, I would probably give that one a miss myself, I think. <laughs> um, I actually, I kind of want to talk about some other spiders then that also hang out in the woods that I, I wouldn't really want to listen to. And sort of the the origins of those spiders as well. We know that I can't really go an episode of this show. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for me to go an episode without talking about something from Lord of the Rings. See, right? that was almost a rhyme. We know I can't go an episode of the show <laughs> by the bay with so, some hay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, <just> something <laughs> about the spooky energy is just getting into me. I'm getting whimsical here uh, this time. But uh, no, I want to talk about actually uh, two specific spiders and then basically their kind of children. And that would be Ungoliant. Uh, Shelob, and then the Mirkwood spiders from The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, The Silmarillion, etc. Cool. Um, I think all three of these are really interesting in different ways. Ungoliant is cool because it's this very sort of like, it's older than time and no one knows where it came from. And it's this kind of terrifying, unknowable eldritch horror that, you know, it crawled in the deep places of the world until it emerged one day to feed. And basically all it wants to do is, uh, you know, it's it's first introduced in the first age when it's just like basically the gods uh, creating everything. And they have these two trees that capture the light of heaven essentially in them and and Goliant rocks up one day and goes yo that looks tasty and eats the light from the trees mm-hmm. and that light essentially just like goes out and Goliant skitters off and is like i need to find more and essentially goes on you know just travels the world trying to find more of that which you know there really isn't anymore the only remaining uh you know outside of actually going to the undying lands there is uh, the Silmarils, which were built by Feanor, and they captured that light as well. And so Ungoliant and Melkor kind of team up to try and get those together. And it's it's a really, really interesting thing. Um, Ungoliant, basically just a giant spider. Um, I always think of uh, like a like a kind of Bloodborne style, like like Rom, the vacuous spider from Bloodborne, where it's just it's vaguely spider like, but mm-hmm. it's more just like, I don't know what that is. And it, it's it's really a cool sort of just just all of the. The unknown uh, aspect of it is really interesting to me. Cool. Um, Does it have eight legs? Yes, it does have eight legs. Yes. It's described a little more clearly than I am, you know, as Mm -hmm. being a spider, essentially. But there are a lot of things about it, you know, in in sort of the same way that the Balrogs are described in the somewhat ambiguous way. You know, there's the kind of the classic argument among Tolkien fans. Did the Balrogs have wings or not? Was Tolkien just saying they spread shadows out like wings? Like, you know, like. They appeared as wings, or was he saying they are shadow-like wings? You know, that yeah. there's a lot of uh, interesting, I think, discussion around some of these older-than-time uh, creatures that Tolkien has in his universe, and I sort of like that we just never really are going to get answers to that. I love that, too. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Just because, Absolutely. quick tangent on this idea, I mean, it, it makes sense with the way that, like, fables of Earth and things exist as yeah. well, because this idea of, well, somebody saw something once that they couldn't explain, and they tried to explain it to somebody, and that person tried to explain it to somebody else, yeah. and the way that this kind of understanding of what something is kind of grows and expands. For sure. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and well, and I think the other thing that's really cool about Ungoliant is you have to have things in your universe that are sort of an unstoppable force, right? Mm -hmm. Ungoliant, from the perspective of just a, you know, random elf or man or dwarf or whatever, is essentially a god. Like, there's no way that any one individual could come up against Ungoliant and actually kill it or even really do any type of damage to it. Like, that's sort of the 
the presence and the size and the the ferocity of this thing, which I think is so cool. It's it's one of the great old ones, essentially, is what yeah. I like to think about it. However, one of the children of Ungoliant, Shelob, uh, who makes an appearance in The Lord of the Rings, is yeah. fought by Sam Gamgee. Uh, I think that's a really, really cool sort of archetype for a you know like a mid to high level D encounter right mm-hmm. um there's a lot of really really interesting descriptive text around shelob as well that you know they basically say her hide is like so strong you know over the years of you know um sucking the energy away from the earth and from people who wander into her place her hide has grown so thick that it can't be pierced by any mortal blade but then when sam gamgee comes up with an elven blade from the elder days Mm -hmm. he's able to pierce that hide and i think that's such a cool thing that there's this sort of mythology and like portent and there's a lot of that in tolkien's work you know it's the same as the you know no man can kill the the witch king of angmar and then a woman goes and kills it like I, i think it's really cool and there's a line when when Sam pierces the flesh of Shelob, uh, Shelob says, like, she suffered a sting greater than any that she had ever known before from, you know, from the hands of man or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, this act, it's everything that Sam can do to get this. He ends up kind of trapped under Shelob and he just pierces up as hard as he can. And then it's he's like completely spent essentially after that. And I love the idea of a creature that you can kill it, mm-hmm. but it's very, very unlikely that you're going to come out unscathed there. That's really cool. That's that's scary to me in yeah. a way that, you know, is kind of hard to capture sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I want to go into my next example, which... Oh, I got I to gotta really quick. I got to do my last. And then after that, of <laughs> course, is the spiders of Mirkwood, which are just normal spiders that anyone can kill. So we've got a three-tier system of spiders oh, here. Oh, good. Yes, I also wrote yes. down spiders of Mirkwood. Yeah. So the next one that I want to talk about is actually kind of new to me. Usually I pull from stuff that I've seen for a long, long time, but I actually just came across this uh, when watching the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance yeah. on Netflix, which I'm really enjoying. Re- um, rest in peace. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm only about halfway <laughs> through the show, but in an episode I had just seen, they introduced the Erethim, which is this group of spider-like creatures. And they have kind of a hive mind, which normally I'm like, oh yeah, insects with a hive mind, whatever. But the way that they explore it and the way that they show that like the things that these guys can do is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Because so the Skeksis, uh, who are the ones in control, they are suddenly starting to feel very challenged by the Gelflings that are like starting to uprise against them. Mm-hmm. And so the leader uh of the Skeksis, he decides to go and seek out the Erethim, which are this group of spider people. They're essentially this, these big spider crab things. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to go and form an alliance with them. And he says, if you will kill these Gelfling who are rising against us, then I will give you back your homeland, which they had previously stolen from yeah. them. And so the spiders, one thing that I'm, I'm not crazy about, they all speak together as one. I mean, that is cool. But the way that they decided to visualize it, I could tell that they were drawing from a technique that they originally used in Labyrinth mm-hmm. when... Uh, Sarah is falling down the tunnel of arms. Yeah. The hands, like, they grab her and then the hands come together and they form these different faces and they speak, like, yeah. they make yeah, mouths that. and things like that. They tried to do the same thing with the spiders. I didn't think it looked quite as good and I thought it looked kind of funny that all these spiders would try and form a big face and, like, talk that way. But that's a cool concept, It though. is a cool I, concept. I like that idea of, you know, like a school of fish or a flock of birds or, a, you know, that a group of animals can come together to kind of create a, a larger being like that. 
that, right. that's really interesting to me. And especially if it's some kind of a gross thing, like, you know, spiders sometimes look at a wolf spider. They carry their babies on their back. They crawl all over each other all the time. Yeah. Like, that makes sense for a group of spiders to do. No, exactly. Like, the concept is great. Um, I thought it was, it wasn't executed quite as elegantly as they did it in Labyrinth, um, but the concept was really cool. But so what I like, the best thing that they did, which like kind of wowed me, I was like, wow, I was not expecting that from the show, is so they send this horde of spiders off to take on this clan that is rebelling against them. And what they do is they already have this one uh, princess captured and they decide they're going to use her on this mission. And so all the people of this community, it's called like Stone in the Wood, um, they're warriors. And so they're ready to take on and fight whatever's coming for them. They're the ones most ready to go into war where normally Gelfling are rather kind of passive and, Mm -hmm. and calm. And so the spiders show up on like the horizon, but then ahead of them walks this one princess, uh, one of their own kind, and they see her and it kind of disarms them. And as you get closer, she's wearing this big cloak and she's like clearly not herself. And you can kind of see like these fingers coming around the side of her hood that's like touching her face. Mm-hmm. And then as she gets closer, she opens up her cloak and all of these little baby spiders are all over her body. Oh, gross. And they, sl- they crawl off of her and they go towards the soldiers like a wave. And the soldiers because this is the scariest thing for me. You, it's so hard to fight a swarm of tiny little yeah, things. Yeah, Because you can hack your blade, but they can all just like part <laughs> around it like a wave. Yeah, well, and there's always more and there's, you know, you don't, you can't really aim well at something that's, it's harder to hit something that tiny. And, right. Yeah. And they, they do what they do. They just like scurry up their legs and they attach to their faces and suddenly, instantly the battle is over because all of these soldiers are now mind controlled like she was. Yeah. And they all get into a single file line and they walk off towards the castle to have their life forces sucked away of course and it's just like so effective and scary yeah the spiders didn't even have to really try they're like you want someone gone sure we'll do it yeah done yeah (laughs) how do you even stop that probably with fire (laughs) so this is so interesting because i I don't know anything about the dark crystal like i don't i i don't have any nostalgia for it i never watched it as a kid it never was something that i was like oh this seems like really interesting that i i think like for me the designs were always just kind of like kind of like ooky and like you know i, I don't the sketches are definitely hard to look at yeah i never me, really anyway. liked the way anything in the dark crystal looked mm-hmm. um and so it's very interesting to me to hear about this because this is really not at all what i thought the dark crystal ever was about yeah it's, <laughs> it's very strange i think the show has done a wonderful job of building upon this world and giving yeah. us like a classic kind of fantasy epic as you would see in any other uh format but yeah. here they're just doing it in this incredibly visually creative way with all this amazing puppetry yeah i can absolutely stand behind that i mean we're you know huge jim henson fans on this podcast so i don't (laughs) think that's a secret to anyone but uh that's that's really cool that's a cool example yeah so i'm definitely going to be taking inspiration from that kind of swarm and uh like mind control thing when we start creating cool i like it uh so the next inspiration that i have then actually i want to talk about two like real life mythological sort of characters and stories. And the first one is Arachne, the uh, Roman, the Roman mythological character who challenged Athena, or I guess it's the Roman, it's Minerva to a weaving contest and, you know, being the, the goddess of arts and crafts among other things said, yeah, of course I can beat you. Mm -hmm. And when Arachne, ended up finishing her tapestry and Athena wasn't able to find a single flaw in it. She essentially became enraged and she's just started wailing on Arachne and she was like, you should be ashamed that you would put yourself on the same level as a god. It's, it's your pride should, you should be punished for that. 
And Arachne, in her shame, ended up hanging herself. And as she was hanging, she was transformed into a spider. And that's this. I, I think that's a really interesting sort of story of how, you know, if we positioned a character like this with a really tragic history as you know this great monstrous spider beast that your party goes into this cave to kill Mm -hmm. but then you find out no i'm just a person who was cursed by the gods well it's a classic uh, medusa exactly exactly would you go ahead and say yeah we're gonna kill you because you shouldn't be around or would you say well maybe we should find a way to break this curse for you yeah Uh, I, i think that's really cool the age old battle of fight versus diplomacy yes exactly and to go with that, the other one that I had is a, a less tragic story, at least as far as I'm familiar, and that is Anansi, the uh, like West African and uh, Caribbean myth about, I believe uh, Anansi was, he was the son of a god or he was a god already and his father turned him into a spider and he's basically known as this god of knowledge and storytelling yeah. and I love that that sort of visual kind of aspect of that that he's weaving these tales and that he's kind of a he's a trickster and i i love him a lot um as a character because you don't often see characters like that as sort of heroic or protagonists and i know that one of the things about anansi that is kind of common across his stories is that a lot of his sort of his weaknesses or his negative traits he kind of spins them if you will into virtues which i think is a really really cool thing and i think that's an inspiring type of hero that we can kind of look up to is somebody who can say, here's here. I acknowledge my faults, but I'm trying to find ways to allow them to make me better. Yeah, no, I really like that, too. Also, I was trying to think of that one earlier when we were brainstorming before the episode, and I couldn't think of what it was. <laughs> I think I read like a picture book about Anansi yeah, when I was little. That's how I knew about it, too. I'm pretty positive. In in you know elementary school or something like that, we had a, a story about him that, I, yeah, I thought was a really, really interesting character, and it pops up here and there. In yeah. My, <laughs> in I love seeing when... In stories like this, when a character that you would think, ooh, a spider, automatically I think that's got to be a scary thing. But you're like, no, actually, this is like a, a, a really good guy who has lots yeah. of cool like tales and things to tell. Yeah. So it's like, oh, neat. I go, okay. Exactly. Not scary. Exactly. Do you have another one here for us, Piper? One last one? <laughs> um, Yeah. So my last one I want to mention um, is from Dark Souls. Yes! Ha-ha! Um, <laughs> I left this off my list specifically hoping you would mention it. <laughs> yay! Uh, what is it? Impressive chest ahead? <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing, amazing chest, chest ahead, ahead is the classic uh, <laughs> note that people put on the ground in front of... A little side note here. We were talking about this recently. I love the dark souls community so much Mm -hmm. and you know for a lot of reasons but one of the chief among them is the community's ability to work with an intentionally extremely limiting you know sort of method of communicating with other players uh which they've found ways to say just the most insane and hilarious things through just the tools that are given in game which is it's essentially like the word magnet game you put on fridges or whatever people find all all kinds of things to say yeah amazing chest ahead right before you fight a big busty spider lady or yeah there's all kinds of funny ones like that yeah so um uh quilog is her name yes yes quilog the chaos witch yes um she is in dark souls kind of a classic dark souls design um she's like the torso of a beautiful naked lady coming out of (laughs) of horrific giant spider body um i like that she's not just like it's not your classic big uh 
what is it the thorax is that the butt uh, <laughs> that's the abdomen is abdomen. the butt yeah <laughs> yeah um you don't come out it's not her attached to that big ball it's actually like this big lumpy mass that's kind yeah. of a whole bunch of different things it looks like she's kind of covered in eyeballs yeah sort of and she's got all of these legs i think she definitely has more than eight but so, she's still a spider queen <laughs> I, no absolutely so the what i like about that is the so there, there's more than just one of her, right? Mm-hmm. So Quelog is the one that you fight as a boss. And one of the things that I first off that I think is cool about it is it's not just like every every time I fight a spider in a game, it's like, okay, cool, it's poisonous, whatever. What I think is so cool about Quelog is that she is one of the daughters of the Witch of Isolith, uh, which were – she was a powerful fire-casting witch. She was a pyromancer is what mm-hmm. they would call them in the game. And she had, I think, seven daughters and – I only know of two of them specifically that became spiders. That's Quelog and her sister Quelana. And Quelana is the leader of this like covenant, this like the the chaos covenant. And it's this group of warriors essentially that serve the witches of Isolith wherever they have remained in the world, which I think is super cool. And she's this kind of sad, like kind of fallen apart uh, spider who's very – she's basically like – semi-comatose the whole mm-hmm. time that you have her and you offer up tributes to her and you can only talk to her if you have like a you know a powerful ring whereas Quelog is the one who actually protects the area that Quelana is stuck in mm-hmm. so Quelog isn't coming at you trying to just be like well I'm just going to murder you because I'm evil she's guarding she's, her sister yeah she's guarding her sister which I think is really really interesting and, I love that and the visual style of them is yeah like you said they're kind of lumpy and grotesque and weird and I, I always thought that that was supposed to be sort of um like recalling the fact that they are kind of born from lava and they harness lava yeah. and it's this sort of stony like burning charred kind of kind of mass oh totally it does kind of resemble now that you mention it the way that like when lava hits the water and it kind of forms these lumpish yeah. rocks yeah that Absolutely. is very definitely what i think what they were going for yes uh, i love quillog yeah as a boss. Very no, cool. she's cool and and she is neat but i think her her setting stands out to me more than she does honestly yeah. um because it's like you you start going through these tunnels that become more and more encased in spider webs yeah and you find these people who they have uh surrendered themselves to her right yes yeah they're like her servants or her followers and most of the time i think they're usually like kind of crawling on their hands and their knees yeah because they have these massive egg sacs growing out of their backs yeah and they're like oh we have to take care of her children and and we serve her and all this stuff and it's that that those visual elements that I also want to draw from when we're creating. It's horrifying and awful because if you really think about it, the idea is that the eggs are like implanted on this poor little loser and <laughs> this poor little they're, they're going to hat they're like sapping his life away, you yeah. know, like, and that's their thing is they're like the, the queen, Quelana, she's so great. We must all, you know, and, and Quelog, they're so great. We must, we must serve them. We must all sacrifice ourselves to them so that the, the spider queen can go and cast her, you know, progeny out into the world still, which is ooh, yeah. nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that also just gave me another idea for when we uh, get going, which, by the way, shall we? Well, I have one more here, Piper. Ooh, Don't rob okay. me of my final request, my, my final recommendation. Here. Well, give it to us yes. then. Uh, so I actually have this one I think is kind of like a fun, silly one that I have a lot of nostalgia for. And that is, uh, I, I was a long time EverQuest classic player. I started back in, I think 99 and I played for about like 10 or 11 years or something like that. 
And if you go to the gnome town of Akanon, uh, what I think is really cool about that place is they have a lot of the same types of enemies that you find elsewhere in the game, but because they're gnomes and they like to tinker, a lot of them are gnomish like machinations that have gone mad and escaped. And you find all over uh, the, the area around Akanon, the Steamfront Hills, uh, or the Steamfront Mountains, I think, actually, um, you find these mechanical spiders that have basically, like, gone rogue and gone mad. And they're spiders of different sizes. You know, there's, like, giant, huge ones, and there's little baby ones that kind of come at you in groups and things like that. And I, I love the idea of that, whether it's... Uh, you know, a giant spider that's given some kind of an AI or a, you know, it has a magical uh, motivation of some kind. Or maybe it's just, you know, if I was a tiny little gnome and I wanted to go out and fight something and crawl around in the mountains easily, maybe you build a giant spider suit that you sort of wear and you pilot it like a little tank or something. Um, I think that's kind of a cool alternative look at a spider possibility that it's not actually a natural spider at all. It's something that is created in a spider's image. And, you know, whether that means a warrior that uses, you know, poison as their chosen weapon or somebody that uses nets to wrap things up or, you know, like a clockwork spider that's used to traverse difficult terrain easily. Ooh, that's neat. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things there uh, <laughs> that we could kind of use. So that that was one of the things that I really wanted to draw from myself and not necessarily go with just your everyday house spider. But right. I think we have a lot of great examples of not your granddaddy's spider here. So Absolutely. Yeah. Although honestly when you said clockwork spider, I my mind went to that horrible Wild Wild West. Yeah. Like the big giant <laughs> yeah. spider thing. The that giant they, spider with like a flamethrower on the front of yeah, it. Yeah, that they ride around in at the end. Yeah. All right. So I think now that we've laid the groundwork of some like spooky and cool examples, yes. we should build a scenario. Yes, absolutely. And build the, the spookiest and scariest scenario imaginable. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of little scenes in my mind while we were yeah. talking of things that I think would be really fun to include in this. Uh, and sort of, I guess where I want to begin is maybe a good way to introduce the party to the scenario that you're about to face. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of my favorite things when doing something spooky is, you know, you have to build up to it. Kind of like what yeah. I talked about before with Harry Potter, when we first see the little spiders scurrying yeah. off, it's the little things that get you like, hmm, kind of cues you into things and kind of builds the suspense. Totally. One image that I had in my mind that I thought would be really fun uh, to kind of begin this with is you could start real simple and say, you know, your party has been traveling for a long time. They finally find an inn somewhere and they decide to, you know, rest up for the night. Everything's pretty chill, right? They go inside. Everything seems normal, blah, blah, blah. Get their rooms, sit down around a table or the fire, and they're just kind of resting. And someone who, you know, rolls a, a decent uh, perception check might notice uh, that there is a little spider scurrying across the floor. And they, you know, grab a little cup and they put it down there. And the person would be one of their party members is like, what do you got there? And he's like, oh, it's just a little spider that was like going, I think I'll let it outside. And suddenly like the music stops and everyone freezes. <laughs> the record scratch. Exactly. Yeah. And you hear the sound of swords being drawn and like the innkeeper comes over with like this big frying pan. She's like, release the glass right now. I'll smash it instantly. Yeah. And everyone's like, whoa, what's happening? It's just a little spider. Like I just yeah. something like that starting. That's I think that's a cool thing because yeah, it, it definitely does a lot to establish, okay, even a little one is something to be scared of. And you wouldn't know why, but you get this sense that there's something bigger than our party going on here. We've stumbled into something that we are unfamiliar with. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I love the idea that no matter 
like how you rolled or whatever if you wanted to save that spider it wouldn't happen like yeah. if you as soon as you lift the glass maybe they'd even like pull you away and they'd hold you down and they would destroy the spider instantly <laughs> and yeah. they would like uh, maybe even it would start to unsettle all the normal patrons there and they'd say they brought it with them we've yeah. kept all the doors locked and the windows sealed it must have come in on their clothing get them out of here you can't stay here anymore i so i like this because it, it, I, and I have some other ideas for this, too. I think we should maybe look at a few options for this. But mm -hmm. what I like about this one so far is, yeah, one, it's a big, like, spectacle for an opening. You know, mm -hmm. that's a cool kind of bombastic start that, oh, my God, everything's kind of going crazy all of a sudden. This just was a silly little thing that I didn't really think of. And we could build the story further into, you know, in, in answering the question, why are all these people afraid of this spider? We would, we could maybe have the answer be, well, because the spiders are evil and they kill us all. Or it could be because they misunderstand. They think the spiders are evil. And really it's just because of some, you know, some an accident or something like that, that happened hundreds of years ago or a misunderstanding or stories about, you know, a, a spider or a guy who really liked spiders who lived out <laughs> in the woods or something like that. Like, I, I think there's a lot of directions that can go that would be really fun. Certainly could. Um, I was kind of thinking to, you know, in a, in looking at alternative starting points for this, I kind of had the question in my head, what is scarier to go to a place where you have to fight a giant spider, right? As like kind of the big bad boss and build up to that. Or if the place you start in is just infested by spiders, but that's like a normal thing. So, you know, say your party is traveling and you hear a rumor of, oh, there's a town, you know, just out on the edge of the forest that they need your help. And that, you know, that somebody, an emissary came through there and they, you know, wanted help with some extermination or something like that. And you think, oh, well, it's a, you know, it's a town in the woods. It's probably an elven city or something. And you get there and you see it, it seems kind of like abandoned. It's sort of strange. You don't see any elves or anything everywhere. Nobody's walking around on the ground, but you see an elevator up into this giant redwood of a tree. An elevator? Well, like a, an you know, like a dumb, like a no, system? yeah, like a pulley system, like a dumbwaiter type <laughs> thing. You know, you would call that, that's called an elevator. <laughs> it elevates you. Uh, so, uh, sorry, a, a lifty go up box. There we go. Yeah, Thank as, you. As now I you're speaking common. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you would, you know, get in this kind of rickety old box and you'd climb up to the trees. And as soon as you get up there, you look around and you're like, the trees are kind of moving in a weird way. And you realize it's not an elven city at all. It's a city of these like spider folk, whether they are, you know, sentient spiders like Aragog style or if they're like Drachnid or something like that. And you get in and the spiders, they seem totally friendly, but there's this weird sense of it because it's unfamiliar. You never really know, like, are we actually safe here? We have to spend all this time here and talk to, you know, these spider people is are we welcome here? Is one of them going to turn and kill us? And I think that would be kind of a cool thing too, this sort of slow kind of creeping unease. And, yeah. you know, you could do a lot of things as a DM to sort of say, you know, that you, you could see a spider, you know, that's running a spider butcher shop or something. And there's, you know, humanoid bodies wrapped up in web or something that they're selling to other spiders, you know, things like that to kind of be like, okay, they, they kill people. Like we don't really, mm -hmm. we're here and they're being friendly to us, but are they going to turn on us? Are we, is this some kind of a trap, et cetera? Interesting. Yeah. I, I like a lot of the, I like a lot of the points that you've brought up here. Um, I am way more inclined personally to 
make it i don't want them to be good guys like yeah. i want there to be maybe some gray area but definitely they have to be this needs to be i think something yeah. that you have to face for sure yeah because i sure. feel like if you just find a little a nice little spider village where people are like spiders are you know selling humans <laughs> wrapped by the bundle like then it's like oh well, this is weird but they're living their lives and it's fine yeah you know. would, oh sure you would yeah. be totally comfortable <laughs> with that piper i 100 percent believe that absolutely yeah yes. no i feel like <laughs> <laughs> um i i think we need to create um sort of uh, what what i like about this idea i do love the idea that there is an area there is this town that's kind of been overrun by this yeah and i think most of the people who live on this like border closest to that area they're the ones who are you know they're like we used to see people from that town all the time and no one comes back anymore because they're yeah. all taken over and so we you know spiders are always bad and you can't go over there well so they've they're soon come to us and then we'll have to leave i guess yeah i mean maybe, maybe we can combine these two things somehow because you know maybe if we say the village where they're all afraid of the spiders where they you know you have your whole hubbub that you talked about um that's the village where they said hey you have to go into here because the spiders took over the city and they don't understand that, you know, maybe it's just normal people who've been cursed and turned into spiders mm -hmm. or the spiders always ran the city there or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely that could happen. We could meet somebody who has that. Um, I am picturing sort of along the lines of how when we first get to Transylvania in the movie Van Helsing. Yeah. Like the way that these people like why you, you know you ask yourself why do you fucking still live here yeah yeah like, absolutely why these, would anyone put up with this exactly these vampires come down and they pick up people and all this stuff and they're all like these you know craggly weathered old folk and they've <laughs> like oh we've lived here for centuries we're not leaving yeah. that kind of a thing that's kind of how i'm picturing yeah. like this first in encounter of like the the mindset of these yeah. people um i wonder if they would be hesitant to actually say we want to send this random party that we've just met in to go take care of this problem or if they're more of the mindset they're like we mind our own business the spiders know if they come here we'll squash them yeah and we don't want to like touch that situation totally so, so maybe they're like don't rock the boat man well so then that kind of gives us the opportunity to have you know every quest has you know some old hermit who lives in the woods who kind of knows something everybody else doesn't maybe everybody in the town is perfectly content to say no we want to leave the spiders alone and the hermit who lives on the edge is the only one who knows no it was a curse or oh no it you know it's going to be dangerous to leave them there for too long they're going to come and take over us if you go and talk to them he's going to say don't tell anybody in town that i'm sending you out here because they'll all get mad at me and run me out because you know they're happy enough to leave well enough alone, right? Yeah. And there would be one, you know, one quest giver that would sort of set you on this quest. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think let's put our scenarios on hold for a second. Yes. And let's decide what the spider situation is. Yeah. Um, You've mentioned people turned into spiders. Yeah. We've talked a lot in our examples about like a hive, like queen sort of a thing a spider yeah. queen like one spider who infects other people that's kind of what i'm leaning more towards actually yeah so you know what here's a cool way to do it so there's a there's this big spider queen that is let, let's just say that we have a spider queen who is definitively obje objectively just the bad guy right yeah. the, the spider queen is evil and they have their own children that are spiders, but they also have humans who have wandered in and have been turned into spiders. So that kind of puts the party in this weird sort of moral place where it's like, can we just kill any of these spiders willy nilly? Mm -hmm. Or is it better to sneak around and maybe if we can kill the queen, all of the cursed 
you know, humans who are spiders will be released from that curse or something, you know, and that adds an extra level of tension to the Mm -hmm. fear that you don't really get other. I think it kind of combines both of these ideas in an interesting way. I like that. I like that a lot because one of the things that I definitely wanted to introduce in this is I think one thing that the spider queen does is she... Like kind of, you know how the end of uh, Charlotte's Web, yeah. all of Charlotte's spider babies, they float <laughs> off on those little yeah, strings. Yeah, little strings, yeah. I feel like that's how she sends out like her her little seeds, her little children to go and yeah. bring her more food for her hive to feed her family. For sure. And what I like the idea is, is that these little itty bitty spiders would float on the winds and they'd come to these border towns and they would land on, you know, somebody's shoulder and they would make their way up and get inside of your ear. And then they go into your brain and they start spinning their little webs like all around the inside of your mind. Yeah. And slowly you find yourself being like, you know what? I need to go to the woods tonight. I have to go there. I like that. I have to go and serve my mother. And it'll cause people to like become zombified and wander off across the border to go become food for the queen and her and her family. I like these mind control spiders and I like that, you know, they kind of wrap you up in, you know, they they fill your head with cobwebs or mm-hmm. something, you know? There's yeah. there's some kind of a Brothers Grimm style way to describe this in a exactly. really spooky way like that. Yeah. I also, it makes me think of Charlie Kelly singing, there's spiders in my brain, yeah, exactly. in my soul. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I like that a lot. And I also, you know, I think maybe if we, because if they're bringing spider people back and, you know, eating them, then, you know, how how do they decide what humans they turn into spiders and what humans they eat? Maybe they, you know, they pick the strongest ones and they turn them into spiders because they'll be able to serve the queen. Or maybe, maybe the queen doesn't necessarily have to eat. They just sort of subsist on gathering more, you know, this, this act is what sort of sustains them, bringing more into the into the hive essentially yeah i mean i think i i think that definitely some people are fed upon though because i think a really creepy image is the idea of like getting you know mummified in this spider silk and then having them come and bite you and suck all of the liquids out of your body oh completely maybe you're you're paralyzed but you're still alive while it's happening so So you're for whatever reason because she's a a freak i guess she leaves your eyes open so you can watch as it's happening to you so here's maybe she also feeds off of fear how about that that's a great way to do it yeah, right, because like she's like, I need your fluids, but also your fear is what fuels my magic so I can keep doing this. And how perfect for an episode about phobias and an adventure about phobias that it literally is a creature that feeds on your fear. Yeah, yeah. that's that's wonderful. I can also picture, you know, say your your party goes into this Say you go into this forest, right, and you're sneaking around. You're trying to avoid the spiders just as like a scouting mission, you know, just trying to see what's going on, right? And maybe a spider or two, you know, a little scouting spider spots you. And When you say little, do you mean like we or like the size of a dog? No, well, okay, I mean little relative to the size of the queen. So, yeah, I'm picturing like a dog. A dog size You know, a dog size spider or whatever. So a a large spider. But you don't want to have just, you know, a long, drawn-out confrontation here. You want to hide. So you run into the woods and you find a hollowed-out tree, a giant hollowed out tree and you hide in it from the spider you're all holding your breath you turn out your torch lights you hear you know the spider kind of skittering you hear maybe clacking around on the outside some of the trees and then it fades off into the distance and you take a moment to kind of catch your breath you light up your torch again and you look up and all lining the inside of this oh, yeah, tree of are you know like in aliens when they go into mm-hmm. the queen's hive or whatever and they see all the people that have been captured strung up in you know webbing and mucus or whatever 
all of the people who are, you know, stuck here are inside of one of these trees. And so yeah. there, there would be these trees all over the place. Like, what a terrifying experience like to come it. across. Yeah. Okay, this actually uh, gives me an idea of how we can kind of build the, the structure of the story. Yes. So let's say, right, you go to the inn, you have that encounter. You talk to a few people in the town, you meet that one weird guy on the edge, and he's yeah. like, you should go and, um, yeah. and uh, take care of these monsters. Yeah. Which I bet he has, he a, spider has a spider in his brain, in his ear, yeah. and he's trying to send you off to feed yes, his master. For sure. So you guys go in there like fools, you realize you're in over your head, and you have to have you know your first combat scene but ideally the situation should be there's no way you're going to win this there's yeah. too many of them and you have to leave so you you have one combat then you return to the town you lick your wounds you decide what do we do now so what i like because this is another idea that i thought of when we were doing our brainstorming yeah. of something i want to introduce a character who is a young woman who is an, like sort of an emissary for the Spider Queen. Yeah. And she, when you meet her, her eyes are clouded over and she has like spider webs in her hair. Cool. And if she were to like yawn, you would see spider webs like in her mouth and oh, stuff spooky. like that. But she looks otherwise like a normal human and she can talk of her own free will, yeah. unlike a lot of the other zombies you yeah. see. And one thing I like about this girl. I think before the Spider Queen took her, she was born blind. She couldn't see. Okay. And the Spider Queen, like, you know, sent off one of her little seeds. It landed on her. She came to her and she, for whatever reason, maybe the queen attached to her emotionally. She bonded with this human. Yeah. She's like, you, when you are in my forest, the webs, you look, you know, pluck a string and it will send vibrations. You can now see the world yeah. through the webbing. And it has given this girl sight that she never had before. You know what? Maybe the reason the queen bonded with her at first is because she was blind, she didn't know fear. Right. You know, she hey. couldn't be afraid of these great monsters because she can't see them. She had no idea what they looked like. You know, she would hear the sounds of them and she said, that's just the sounds of the world. That's, you know, every Everything is, you know, scary if you can allow yourself to be afraid of this, right? So she kind of steeled herself. And when the spider took her, the queen, you know, kind of recognized this this incredible bravery in her. And I she said, that. I can use you. You can be sort of a, you know, a go-between between the world of, of men and the world of spiders, yeah. right? I Ooh, think that's interesting. I like that a lot. I want to – so here's what I think we should do. Um I really like when I build adventures like this, I like to try and incorporate at least three potential outcomes here, right? Mm -hmm. I think if we tie this character who, you know, we could just call like Arachne or, or Ariadne or something like that, Wait, like some kind of a spider sounding name. This human girl? This human girl, yeah. Some, some kind of a name like that. We don't have to choose that. But if we have her tied to sort of the diplomatic solution to this, where maybe she can be the person that brings you back to the spider queen. If, you know, if you That's talk to her thinking. and you have a conversation and you say, no, that the queen is like hurting people, you know, think of where you came from. The world that you came from is being slowly eaten away by these spiders. We don't have to destroy the queen. She, you know, maybe she's your, you know, surrogate mother now or something like that. But we need to find some kind of a balance, you know, maybe the the humans can sacrifice, you know, like a cow or something every once in a while. So you can have, I don't know, spider cows instead of spider people or something. Right. <laughs> um, you know, some kind of a diplomatic solution that could be sort of uh, done through communicating with this character. Mm -hmm. um, I think another option should be, of course, the kind of brute force option. So maybe there is a overzealous captain of the guard or something in town who he's been itching to find a way to get people to storm that forest and burn it down and destroy all the spiders in there. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't care that some of the spiders are actually people that could potentially be, you know, released and turned back, right? Exactly. So, so these, I think, are the two, like, polar opposite solutions. There's one where you just kill everyone and you say, damn the consequences, damn the people who have been turned into spiders, mm -hmm. they're beyond our saving. The 
the version with this girl would be, okay, all the people who are spiders, they stay as spiders, but we find a way for everyone to kind of live in peace now. And then maybe there's a third option where peace, you say, yes, well, marks. yes. <laughs> maybe the third option here is, you know, this would be sort of the maybe the true ending where you find a way to break everyone's curse, where you can release the people from the spiders, from their, their spider forms, and you can find a way to you know, stop the, the conflict between them. So I, I don't know, th that one gets a lot more complicated. I'm not sure yeah. how we would accomplish that just yet. Mm -hmm. But I like that we have these two polar opposite options here so far. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I would say maybe one way to decide this, I mean, partially it could be simply, you know, how your players play yeah. the session and yeah. how what they're more inclined to do. But I think also maybe it would also depend on what level you everyone is at Certainly. like if you're a lower level i feel like you might have better luck talking with the girl yeah where if you're of a higher level of like strength and everything because as soon as you start burning that forest oh, they're gonna, gonna come out and you have to fight like by, so yeah. many spideys absolutely so it's like you have to be a certain level to be to even survive that kind yeah. of combat yeah um so i think that would help kind of with the decision of it too absolutely i yeah i like the idea that they would meet this girl she would i think maybe the queen would send her to you yeah. Uh, she would have obviously witnessed the first combat and she has to have a motivation. Why would she want to bring the party in for a conversation? Well, maybe the queen says, I know that this captain of the guard is eventually going to be able to convince people to come and and, you know, kill me. And so, you know, maybe sometimes she sends this girl out to get really strong adventures to come back for like a fake conversation and she turns them into spiders. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what she's planning on doing for you. But then you get there and, you know, through the conversation you have, you, you know, you mentioned, no, we actually can help you. We want to do this. Maybe this would be a very difficult persuasion check to make or something where you can say, we're more used to you as humans because in the same way as this girl is kind of a ambassador to the outside world, we're happy to go and advocate for you and find a solution that helps everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you've talked to the captain of the guard first, you can say, you know, I think this girl, there's something weird about her. She seems, maybe if you notice ahead of time, there's like a little wisp of thread coming out of her ear. You know, maybe if you have somebody who can succeed at that perception check and figure out they're probably connected to the spider, you could say, bring me to the queen and then have it be like a trap where, you know, you spring this surprise attack on her mm -hmm. when you get there. Yeah. I feel like the girl, she doesn't, I don't think she lives in the village anymore. She like, no, but lives I mean, she would, she would be like in, you know, maybe she, I, what she I picture is she would have yeah. come to the tavern or something to be like, I heard that there were some, you know, I heard from my strings, there were some people coming through town. So I was here waiting for you. Okay. That would be cool. Yeah. Also love the idea. Yeah. That, um, as you're like, when they first arrive at this town, the different ways that we can lay seeds of fear of like, you know, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah. First, there was the encounter with how everyone reacted to that one simple little brown house spider, yeah. which I think maybe was not actually attached to the, yeah, it just was the a, world. But it was just a coincidence. so suspicious all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so there was that. But then also this idea, too, that maybe there's a bunch of, you know, this town has a lot of strong warriors in it yeah. because they had to become strong to, like, face off this danger that they live next to. And yet one day this young woman, like, with definitely she has to have, like, bare feet and she just kind of, like, walks in, like, yeah. out, like, out of the cold night and everyone is instantly afraid and they all cower and they all yeah. stand away from her. And you're like, what is it with this kid? or this girl how old For should sure. she be i i think like she 15, should maybe i think she should appear as very young yeah. but she probably has I, lived a little longer than that just because of spider magic that gets into her or whatever so totally. she, you know she's probably you know maybe she's even as old as like 100 or 200 years old yeah but 
she just has spent so much time in the forest as a you know with her child body being preserved by the the spider queen Absolutely. and her magic that she appears as a spooky 15 year old girl i like it i like it a lot um i like the idea that while you're in the tavern maybe you're talking to let's say this captain of the guard he's very much like a gaston type yeah and yeah, he's like totally. he's boasting about how he'll kill any spider and any yeah. monster and i'll he's put not all afraid. the spider antlers on my on my mantle exactly like, spiders on my antlers dude <laughs> right but then like the door opens and there's the girl and he instantly like cowers into a little ball and he's like please don't take me don't take for me because sure. she's sure. like come to collect someone i like this and i i mean this would definitely be a trait that i would give her and that i would probably give all of the sufficiently powerful spider creatures you know either the the spider like generals and the queen herself of course would have this aura of fear that anything you try to do around her you would have to overcome a fear saving throw to be able to even maintain your composure and act around them i think that'd be really cool definitely awesome so i I really like these two characters as the yeah the two sort of opposite ends of this spectrum of how we could potentially solve this problem Mm so let's maybe talk about what what could we do to bring everyone together if we do want to have one solution that because each of these solutions they only make one side happy right Mm -hmm. what is the solution that makes both sides happy is it that we determine that maybe there is some kind of a curse on all of them and you need to bring a powerful cleric or something like that to to stop it maybe it's you know the the spider queen goddess lolf or whatever has something to do with this and you have to commune with the gods and say you know, gods release this spider from your service or something that, you know, they, they don't need to be killing people around here. Yeah. Um, I, I think there needs to be, that should obviously be the hardest solution to come by, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. I, I like this idea of breaking the curse. I feel like it would have to result in sort of like a boss battle. You have to get rid yeah. of the queen in order to like break the curse on everything else. Because yeah. I think she is an evil entity yeah. who has made her way to the mortal well- realm yeah. or fantasy realm yeah, wherever exactly. we are um, or if you know if at, at the very least not evil like you know she'd be like chaotic neutral or something where she's like I, she only cares about herself even if it's not you know, right. overtly evil it's exactly. like well i'll eat you because that's what i do because i'm a giant spider like exactly. what do you think is gonna happen yeah um what i'm leaning towards is i i like the idea that she can't be reasoned with. You can't like talk yeah. this spider out of being like, hey, what if you didn't need as many people? She'd yeah. be like, this, uh, it's nature. This is my instinct. Yeah. I will always need to feed and I will always grow my nest. <laughs> anyway, you can't stop next. me from doing that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like reasoning with her isn't an option. And I think you have to, I like the idea that you would need to kill her. And maybe the way to do that is you have to, you strike a bargain with uh, her emissary, yeah. her her human daughter. Yeah. And you say, we've come to negotiate uh, blah, blah, blah. And Spider Queen is like, huh, yeah sure whatever she's like we will come to your nest and we'll lay down our arms but you have to promise that you send your children away it's just us and you talking and like maybe she like maybe because like you know how gods and things they yeah. love games and yeah for and sure. bets and offers and she's like sure okay fine this will be entertaining and so you go and it's just like her spiders kind of clear out they go far away it's just her and you but then also her blind daughter is there yeah so now if you do a boss fight against her it's definitely classic Dark Souls style that if you want to kill the queen, you have to kill her daughter too. For sure. Her human daughter who will definitely like stand in the way of your piercing yeah. blade. And my favorite style of Dark Souls boss, which where there's multiple, you know, bosses that you fight at the same time. The you're, I mean, I, I feel like you're definitely thinking of the Father Ariandel fight yeah. where you have uh, F- uh, Frida and Ariandel. Oh, yeah. Such a cool fight. So good. I like that a lot. So I think that would be, that could be one way to end this. So your, your party has to deal with this more 
moral quandary of, yes, you've killed the queen spider and now all of like the spell is lifted and the yeah. people have horrible transformations back into their human yeah. forms and the other spiders, they just drop dead. But here is now this blind girl who's like dying and bleeding out on the ground. I there's no way to save her. Think, so yeah. So maybe we should, we, we would have to learn during this fight somehow, or, you know, after we've passed a point of no return that if we had wanted to free the, the girl, all we had to do was just like snip one thread or something. That's yeah. like tying her to the queen, right? Maybe a way that we do this though is maybe the old hermit character or somebody else in town that kind of lives, lives off in the woods somewhere that's, it's not in the human part of town and it's not in the spider, you know, part of the forest because they were someone that turned into a spider or that the transformation started and they were able to stop the curse. So they kind of exist in this sort of liminal space in the same way as the girl does, right? Cool. And they say the only way to destroy the spider queen is to create a new queen. You know, sort of like Davy Jones, how you have to stab oh, the nice. heart style, okay. right? So she would say you know that there's one excellent candidate to become a new queen who has ties to the human realm and would possibly be interested in, a, you know, striking a bargain. Hey. The girl. Yeah. So if you find a way to, you know, get the girl away somewhere, distract the girl, and then go and kill the queen, the, you know, this this individual who stopped the curse in themselves would say, I know how to, you know, help ascend someone else to the position of, of spider queen. And then maybe with her in power, there won't be this constant war between the spiders and the humans in town. Maybe. And yeah. yet I also see like, this could be a great plan that you all conceive. And then you do it and you go to the blind girl and they're like, look, you're free. And now you're the queen. And she turns and she's like, you killed yeah, my mother. Exactly. And she like, you know, it's going to yeah. be 10 times worse than totally. the queen was before. You're thinking like, oh, you're going to be so happy to, you know, not be under her, under her giant spider thumb anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. But instead she had kind of developed like, you know, like a spider Stockholm syndrome or whatever. And she, oh, she totally. loves this queen mother now. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I think she t definitely loves her spider yeah. mom. Yeah. yeah. So I also feel like this in I'm trying to think of how this session could possibly end <laughs> in a positive light. <laughs> I know, right? Well, maybe it can't really. Maybe you I have mean, to leave and give up and you're like, yeah. this is too much for us. Um I think the it, the positive light really is relative to, you know, if you are with the humans and you kill all the spiders, then that's positive from the perspective of the humans. Right. If you are decide you're with the spiders and you allow them to take more and more humans, then that's a positive. I, I'm thinking actually another little spin that I want to put on this because I think this would be interesting is this individual who is the kind of half spider, half person that says, oh, you have to kill the queen and then the daughter can ascend. Maybe that's just like a trick. Maybe yeah, this is like definitely. a rival to the queen and they're saying – I want to be the new king or queen of spiders. So when you go and kill her, she shows up to do the ritual and then she goes, okay, anyway, thanks for helping me with that. You can leave now. It was all a trick. I'm going to become the new the new spider regent around here. Let's describe what this person looks like, this half spider, half man. Is it yeah. a man or is it a woman? I, I mean – if it's a spider queen, I, I sort of like the idea of it being a woman, but I don't think it really matters. It could be a man or a woman, or it could be, you know, it, it doesn't even have to really have gender come into it anymore. Maybe it that's could be, like, part she was of the... the transformation is yeah. that they sort of, sort of that just kind of goes away mm -hmm. a little bit. Because I'm picturing like a, a bipedal humanoid, yeah. but they have like this classic spider pinchers for like yes. a mouth. Yes. And maybe they have like 
spider legs that are sprouting from between their shoulder blades. Yeah. And so they often like they can either walk on their two legs or those legs can the spider legs can yeah. come down and that could like move them around too. I was kind of picturing what I imagined was something a little more grotesque because I think maybe maybe they tell you they broke free from the spider curse but really they crossed the queen and they were, you know, given their own curse that turned them into this kind of deformed sort of almost like a hunchback type figure. And that's why they want to get revenge on the queen and become the new queen. So instead of being this, you know, essentially like a beautiful being that just has some spider parts, they're kind of, they hobble over a little bit and they wear this cloak. And if they, you know, take off their cloak, they just have like some random spider parts coming out of their side somewhere and then some human parts. And, you know, they're this kind of creepy little monster here. It's like um, what, uh, it was one of the partial transformations from the fly. Yes, exa- exactly. <laughs> like something like that would be interesting too. That but would be gross. I think either way would be You see it on site, cool. you're like, oh, kill it. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly. Or I also picture in, um, in the Legend of Zelda games, in a couple of them, they have this sort of side quest where there's these golden spiders, golden skulltulas all over the all over the the game Mm -hmm. and there is a family that has been turned into spiders and the more of the gold skull as you kill the more of them turn back into humans and so they give you rewards for doing you know they give you a bigger wallet so you can carry more money or they give you you know like more heart containers or things like that but they transform back into humans kind of in order right Mm -hmm. and the last one in line, they have this kind of slow transformation. So you're seeing like half of them is like spider face and half of them is human and they still are kind of hanging from a web, but they're kind of like, I'm like hanging kind of crooked and it's, you know, like that kind of gross (laughs) half spider thing. The more I'm thinking about that, I think to me, seeing a a creature like that would be kind of a red flag that they can't be trusted necessarily. I mean, that's maybe that's not necessarily fair. I know, monster Um, bias. But yeah, exactly, (laughs) monster bias. But I mean, that's kind of an easy storytelling trope to use to signal that somebody's evil. So maybe they would be somebody that... they They're just kind of this like androgynously like beautiful character that they have some spider parts like that and they can walk like a man or walk like a spider or whatever. Well, maybe that's sort of a partial glamour that they're able to put on themselves oh maybe and later when you reveal when it's revealed that they're actually quite evil that glamour melts away and they are the their grotesque more like the fly kind of a look makes a lot of sense i like that yeah yeah oh so i wanted to think i i came up with something by the way for if your party chooses uh to go with the captain of the guard and burn the forest and let's say you're successful right you burn the forest down all the spiders are dead uh and it's like hooray we did it no more problems right yeah I like the idea that when you, if you succeed in this, uh, the daughter, the this, uh, the emissary, yeah. she wasn't in the woods that day, or maybe the spider queen sacrificed herself and she threw her daughter out. And she's like, "Go, get away she from the flames." Wrapped her in like flame retardant like webbing or something so she could escape. She made a cloak of spider silk that would protect her from the flames or right. something like that. Because yeah. maybe she knew she's like, someday they will come for me, and it is my fate to burn in this web, but my web will keep you safe and you will live on. And so she sends her daughter away, and the daughter survives the fire. And so now there's this ghostly uh girl who's out roaming around and she yeah. still has like the spider webs within her like her mind and in her head and yeah. everything and she is now like i will go and i will find a new nest and i will start over for you mother i will continue in your name i like that because she's no longer being really directly controlled by the mother but mm-hmm. she's being controlled by sort of the memory of her mother so right. it's this sort of corruption of an already kind of evil corrupt thing yeah i also think visually how cool would this be if the 
the mother spider to protect her she weaves this cloak to protect her from the flames but the cloak is like ever burning oh so she's walking around with this silken you know beautiful like glistening silver cloak that's constantly on fire and she can just you know calmly stride through the forest like a wraith ever burning and glistening in the moonlight at the same time i like the idea that the the cloak it maybe isn't like it's not like an active fire. Maybe just the ends have like these kind of like glowy embers. Yeah, it's just like and an so ember. it looks like she's yeah. like covered in smoke. Like smoke kind of follows kind of, her because yeah. it's like yeah. And then yeah. But, and then if she gets like angry or something, the fires could like grow. I like that a and lot. And then there would be more flame. Yeah. So now she's like, I am the spider queen, but I am fire resistant. So fire will no longer kill me and my children. Absolutely. And this also gives a really interesting sort of goal for the party. If the party's like, no, nah, screw her, we want to kill her and take that cloak. You know, like that's motivation you for your can, party. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you can, like. I think that's really interesting, too. Um, And, you know, maybe that could be how the party would be rewarded if they decide to help the Spider Queen. They would all be given some kind of garment woven of spider silk that could, you know, heal them under the moonlight or, you know, protect them against poison or protect them against, you know, something like that, I think would be or help them move more quietly at night or climb trees better or something. Well, that would be that's interesting because that makes me think of I mean, I don't see why this queen would give you things unless I'm saying if you help the queen uh, to do what to go away and not kill her. No, if you side, yeah, if you side with the queen instead of siding with the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the three options we talked about. Well, no, I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm like, okay, so um, what I what I see that scenario is as though is her. These tokens are more like bribes, and she's like, well, yeah, yeah. She's like these town folk. Yeah, these guys are assholes, and it's okay that I'm eating them now and then. What if you just go away, leave us alone, and I'll give you these beautiful boons? Like, and if you, your party is greedy enough, they'll say yes. We will take your boons. You can call it whatever you want. I mean, I'm just saying. I think each outcome <laughs> needs to have a reward for it, whether it's yeah, a bribe definitely. or a reward. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Sorry. I was, I forgot about that first scenario. (laughs) Yes. Um, I like that. Yeah. Um, I I think, I think these are three good directions these can go. Let's maybe end the story here. I think Um, we should end it here too. And and I think something that would be kind of cool is we should, we haven't really given a lot of like visualization to this. Let's just take a quick moment and see and say, what are some of the kind of thematic things we could sort of see? Um, I was immediately thinking of, in between the town and this forest, you know, have you ever seen where um, there, there's pictures where spiders will completely overtake a tree and the trees are like totally wrapped in webbing? Mm-hmm. I see them in like, I don't know, Australia or something, places mm-hmm. where there's lots of spiders. I don't know where, where they where they are, but it looks like big sticks of cotton candy basically sticking out of the ground. But it's like, you know, cursed cotton candy. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, don't ever want to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you would see more and more of that the closer you get. Like literally – a carpet of webbing on the ground and like wrapping over the trees and things like that. Definitely. What what types of things do you think you would see maybe in the town or, or around the forest? The town, I'm definitely drawing visual inspiration from uh, Transylvania in Van Helsing. Yeah. Uh, all of the, like, it's very gray. Most of the trees are now barren just because yeah. of, like, it's that time of year. It's that season. Uh, so there's a few scraggly dry leaves still on some of the trees, but the trees look very gnarly. And For sure. it's a, like a Tim Burton town For is sure. kind of what I'm picturing. Maybe people, like, they try to knock the leaves off the trees early so that spiders can't hide in the trees. That's like a kind of a practical thing that would make sense that yeah. when they see that as soon as the leaves start to turn they're like mm-hmm. okay shake the tree get the leaves down we don't want to have a place for spiders to hide any longer than we need to i think one thing about this town too because they're so worried about spiders getting in so every 
door and window has like i'm picturing kind of like a foam sealant almost oh yeah um yeah. like what you would use for like i don't know like putty to like fill yeah. up things i so, feel like like a like a pine tar or something in every crack would probably exactly make sense. everything yeah. is totally sealed up and there are never open doors or windows and if you one thing that you would notice when you first get to the town is when people like are walking to get to a shop, I think people don't spend a lot of time outside. Yeah, probably If not. you have to go from one place to another, you go very quickly. Yeah. So everyone is very heavily cloaked. Maybe it even looks like they're all like covered in shrouds that they wear these these kind of dark billowy yeah. clothes that cover them so that there's no way that spiders can like land on Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And when you want to enter a building, you know, someone will go and they'll knock uh, there's like a special knock you have to give, yeah. and then the door will swing open. They run inside and then slam shut. Yeah, I like it. They have all those little little peaky windows in mm -hmm. the doors so they yeah. can see who you are. Which has like a, yeah. when you open it, it has a very fine mesh yeah, over it sure. so that nothing can come through. I also feel like probably so there would be maybe like some trees like in there'd be like an orchard or something like that but those would be the only trees that would be nearby i feel like they would have cut down all the trees in the area so that if the spiders do start coming from the forest they have to walk overland and can be seen and maybe it's they would they would have kind of irrigated the land around so it's very swampy so it's hard for the spiders to move through or something like that yeah that's yeah. good um, um i think yeah fashion wise if you're doing a fashion souls yes all the women wear veils and all the men cool. have essentially what looks like beekeeper hats. Oh, cool. So they have these wide brimmed, like maybe it's kind of uh, like Puritan era style of like those big wide black yeah, hats. Okay. But they also have this mesh that hangs around their faces because like they've learned that like we have to protect ourselves. I feel like this would also probably be a place that, you know, because we have this really overzealous captain of the guard, I wonder if maybe they would be a paladin and they would say, you know, part of why they're so against them is because they say it's an unholy curse we have to you know we have to stop this plague essentially so it would be a very religious place there's there's some type of god here that's kind of paramount there'd be a church the church would be the biggest building in the city or something like that yeah maybe yeah. definitely there's part of that yeah. idea that kind of uh dogma that it's like yeah. oh if you pray hard enough the spiders will stay away For sure. but if the spider sure. queen takes you it's god's will they must have been sinners absolutely yeah i also feel like probably there would be lit torches like everywhere just because if you see you know if you see webs starting to creep in you you burn it you away burn it you light instantly. it on fire because that's the easiest thing for anybody to do to kind of stop the spread of this spider dominion that's interesting yeah. also like so on top of the this like captain of the guard there's definitely like a military force but there's also like one of the most important jobs in the city is essentially pest control like it's glorified yeah, pest control for sure so there's when you walk in there are these guys walking around they also have like the netted hats and everything oh, they but would they, be like the elite inquisition basically right yeah, yeah. but they have like these smokers they have a system some kind of device set up so they're constantly like spreading this like toxic smoke around to kill oh, insects cool. and bugs so there's a very like powerful smell that pervades it, it always smells like smoke mixed with some kind of a like like a chemical kind of smoke yeah. at all times in this town. So that's maybe, really interesting. Yeah, people are constantly coughing. Yeah, because like they're like it's, <laughs> it's fine. Or that's part so of why as... they wear veils and masks over their face too to keep right, the to smoke hard, away. Keep that away. Ooh, I love all these visuals. Yeah. I'm also, this too. Um, before we end, real quick, I just thought of something, and feel free to say no if this is getting too detailed. But <laughs> if we wanted to like provide some backstory, because we talked about a kind of these two opposites are the captain of the guard and then the the young woman yeah. who was chosen. I kind of like the idea, like because I've. Already described him as kind of like a Gaston. Maybe before she was taken, 
he kind of had like feelings for her and he was like maybe back when he was also a young man he would have been 15 too interesting and he was like i don't care if you're blind like i like you anyway and all this stuff but then she got pulled away and then turned into this thing and so So, now not only he's grown up and she's stayed this way forever totally but yeah maybe at one point he liked her no, the, I, think, I think that's queen. a really interesting thing. And that's part of what has driven him a little bit mad, you know, that maybe before before she was taken, this place was OK. There were spiders, but it was a friendlier place in general. And there wasn't so much like superstition and fear. And I feel like this captain of the guard maybe could have been a big proponent of pushing that fear and that anger specifically because he has a reason to want to go and kill the queen because yeah. they took the this girl that he loved mm-hmm. away from him. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I yeah. like that a lot. Although I'm thinking less love because that, that is really sweet well, and nice. Well, a childhood crush or well, whatever. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I think I'm definitely seeing him as a Gaston and her as kind of a bell and him being yeah. like, hey, like, I don't care if you're blind. Like, you're still pretty hot. Like, what's up? Yeah. You want to go um, feel my muscles? And she's like, no, thanks. I'm going to try and read Braille. Bye. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I, I think that's a cool drawing connections creating webs if exactly. you will between all of these, these characters, characters and yeah. their histories cool. yeah um that's that's awesome yeah uh any visual thoughts about the forest itself i mean it, you know it's a forest full of spiders i, I think maybe something think that would be simple would be neat is that no matter what time of night it is when you're in there there's always like the light of a full moon because oh. there's some it's kind of like a spooky blue glow at all times in the forest well yeah maybe the webbing yeah. is just very reflective and so yeah. even when it's really yeah. dark if there's any light present at all it just kind of illuminates it somehow that's excellent yeah. yeah i feel like it would also be interesting if you're trying to pass through there would be different types of web that are woven by different spiders so maybe there's you know some web where it's just kind of a normal sticky web that you get stuck in and they pull you up into a tree and they they eat you so the spiders can kind of pull you around on the webs or there'd be webs that are like trip wires that they can you you know, use to trip you or knock you down. Or maybe there's like razor wire web too, oh, where you run into it and it will cut you up and, you know, it can be used at like a, a mesh of it will just a million little cuts all over you all at once. I like that. Yeah. And as if you didn't need reason enough to be afraid of going into this forest, definitely like <laughs> right on the outskirts, like there are just so many skeletons of like people sure. and animals just wrapped up in webs Absolutely. of like things that have gotten caught in there. I, I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, Ooh, man, I love spiders. I think we're done. All right. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely so done. You now, if you want to take this scenario and, and give it to your party and see how they would react, uh, have at it. Yes, please do. And let us know how it goes. If you end up taking this and fleshing it a little bit, fleshing it out a little bit more, if you create any kind of stat blocks or if you create a, you know, a more formalized boss encounter or anything like that. We love, love hearing about that stuff. So uh, if you do want to share any of that, Piper, where can our listeners go to do that? Um, well, you can uh, talk to us on Twitter about it. We are at WorldForgePod on Twitter, and you can also send us an email to describe it more in length if you want to um, by emailing us at WorldForgePod at gmail.com. Absolutely. And we're pretty active and responsive on both platforms. So we usually get back to you, you know, as soon as we can, obviously, you know, bearing in mind that life happens sometimes, but we, you know, it's very exciting for us to hear from listeners. And if we really, really like something that you've shared with us, we'll share it on air and kind of help spread your creativity around, which is the whole point of this show is to help everybody be more creative and inspire each other. So that's very, very fun. If you want to find other ways to support the show, a really good way to do it is to leave us a five-star review. It does so much to help get our show in front of new listeners. Uh, Leaving a little review and a a nice little comment in five stars, it makes our day. uh, And it it helps so much by boosting our show up in the, the algorithm. So that is 
always, always, always appreciated. And in most cases, you can just do it right in app. If you're in uh, Apple Podcasts listening to us, it's just a few clicks away. You can go and do that. So exactly. please, please consider doing that or consider just sharing it directly with a friend. Mm-hmm. Wrap them up in spider webs so they can't get away and then, you know, blast it into their ears. Just say whisper a little spider into their ear yes, at night. absolutely. Just go by their bed and say, <laughs> please, please consider doing that. But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I think that's about all we have for creation. So now it is time for us to hop on over to the rec room here. What you got? What kind of spidery, sticky uh, webbing do you want to share with us? I've got got a really cool recommendation this week, actually, for a game. I I may have recommended this once on the podcast before, but there's a game that came out, I want to say it was about 10 years ago now, called Limbo. And it's this really cool kind of side-scrolling kind of puzzle platform type game um, in in the same sort of style as like a like an Ori in the Blind Forest or something like that or a, or a Hollow Knight kind of. But there's no combat in it whatsoever. And it's a pretty short game where you just move in one direction. So it's not really like Metroidvania style. It's not backtracking and exploring. But it's this really interesting – it's all in black and white and it has this really cool – kind of fuzzy grainy look to it and there's a lot of like spooky out of focus stuff in the background there's a lot of depth to the the game for being just it's just black and white just a monochrome uh like very minimalist game and as you travel from left to right in this game you're kind of going deeper and deeper into the spooky forest and as you at several points throughout the game you have to run away from, you know, creatures that are trying to attack you. And one of the creatures that reappears several times is this giant horrifying spider. And what's so cool about it is it's just this huge mass and legs will stick out of it. And there's two little glowing eyes and that's all you can see of it. You, you never really get a great sense of the shape of this thing. It's just this giant beast that's pursuing you essentially and i think that's a really really awesome game just in general it's a cool sort of little piece of art it's fun to look at uh and it's pretty short you can beat it in like uh, like two or three hours or something like that on on a casual playthrough so uh, i definitely recommend going and checking that out it's usually only like 10 bucks or something like that and it goes on sale on steam all the time so limbo is absolutely my recommendation for the week yes absolutely so ooh, well with that little nugget planted in your ear and uh for potential (laughs) consideration we hope you'll also consider joining us uh next week when fright forge continues yes absolutely with another very spooky phobia we don't know exactly what phobia we're doing yet we're we've kind got of a list yeah we've got yeah. A, a couple of ideas but you'll have to tune in next time to see exactly what we end up talking about here we're very very excited for it so thank you once again listeners for sticking it out for another hour and a half or so with us we had a blast this week and we hope you had a blast and we will look forward to seeing you again back here next week talking about something else absolutely thanks bye. guys yep <laughs> bye Thank you.